Welcome to the Rev Engine Podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders get clarity on how to align sales and marketing, build a high-performing revenue engine, and accelerate revenue growth for their organizations. I'm your host, Jeff Davis, author of award-winning book, Create Togetherness, and founder of Rev Engine. Let's jump into the show. Hey, it is Jeff Davis with another episode of the Rev Engine Podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders align sales and marketing, transform the revenue engine, and accelerate revenue growth. I am very excited to have our guest today, Hans Decker from IBM. He's actually the general manager of IBM North, Central, and Eastern Europe. I want to make sure I got that right because it's a newer role for him. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting, I think, two years ago. We did a live webinar for LinkedIn focused on the topic of sales and marketing alignment. I felt that him and his colleague, Allison from IBM, had some really, really great ideas about how we approach this from a technology lens. Obviously, IBM is a leader in the space of technology, and a lot of things they're doing is re are really exciting. And so uh, when I had the opportunity to reach out to him, he was kind enough to come on the show and uh, give us some more insights about how him and IBM are looking at uh, how we transform our revenue engines and how we really accelerate our transformation over the organization. So Hans, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder because I want you to tell your journey of how you got where you are, and then we will jump into the show. So Hans, with it, take it away. Awesome. So Jeff, a uh, very good morning. I know it's early for you, so uh, really good to see Just you up uh, <laughs> bright and smiling. Very grateful to be on the show, and um, it's good to Glad see to you again you. after all those years. Yeah. 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 We survived COVID. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So a, a little bit about myself. I, I, you're correct. I'm leading North, Central, and Eastern Europe for IBM. This is a, a grouping of 35 countries, $110 billion of market opportunity for us as an IBM company. A very diverse set of, of countries. Awesome talent. Absolutely amazing to see how much talent there is. There's a lot going on in our region from what happens with the war in the, in the Ukraine to obviously a lot of defense discussion, cyber, the consolidation back into countries. So there's, there's a lot happening. And obviously we're just coming out of, uh, of COVID where digital transformation in the end is turning into reinvention. But we, we can talk about that later, Jeff. A little bit about myself. I've been all around the world, born in Holland, but lived my majority of my life in Asia, China, Singapore, Australia, Indonesia. Uh, many different parts of, of the world for IBM, almost in all corners of, uh, of our company, and have led our digital unit and, uh, and since January back to uh, the European region. And it's, uh, it's an absolute delight to be able to govern this part of IBM as IBM is uh, ever transforming and, and, and actually reinventing itself. So a little bit about myself, Jeff. Yeah, one of the things that is so important to me as I build out this platform is to have a global perspective. I think many times, uh, and I'll be really transparent with folks, us in the U.S. get kind of uh, only focused on ourselves, right? And you know, even when I had the Alignment podcast and, and other you know interviews and that sort of thing, it was always great to have a international and global perspective because, especially if someone like you that is multinational and other leaders even in the U.S. that are multinational, different regions are different stages of their digital transformation. And they have different challenges, you know, EU versus, you know, the US. So that's definitely one of the reasons I wanted to have you and other colleagues that, you know, across the world to come in and weigh on this topic. So I'll start with digital transformation for most organizations. It's actually accelerating, gotten past the point where, you know, 
we need to digitally transform. Now things are actually getting faster. So I wanted to see from your perspective, what are some of the challenges that you know your customers are facing when they're trying to actually make this process go faster? And I know that it's hitting up against some kind of critical business functions. So I wanted to get your, your initial thoughts on that one. Excellent question, uh, Jeff. And, and, and maybe before I go into uh, the challenges, I mean, let's look at the urgency to build new businesses, right? Because everyone, if you look at digital transformation, we did 10 years of digitization in under a year. That's how fast we went as a global society driven by COVID. If you look at the new businesses and the urgency that creates this new advantage, you have to look at four things, I believe. One is technological innovation. The other one is customer centricity ecosystem co-creation, and then sustainability. Those are the four major urgencies I have seen in the last year, one and a half years, that are really driving this transformation, which then turns into reinvention, as I said in the opening. But surely that comes with a lot of challenges because digital transformation is accelerating. And we have been seeing, and what I've been seeing is that it extends to mission critical processes common problems I see when I work with uh, CXOs, big partners, big SIs. And the first one is really that we are managing increased complexity, given the heterogeneous IT environments, right? Everyone, every client I've met, Jeff has a multitude of public clouds, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, IBM. Actually, the data says that 76% of the users of our societies, companies, are using, utilizing two or more public clouds. That complexity is ever increasing, okay? The second challenge that I see across the, the playing field now is that how do you derive value from an explosion of all the available data? There will be two to three times as much data by 2025 as there is today. Every day, right? We've got 2.5 quintillion amounts of bytes being created. And this explosion of data won't stop, right? So that's the second challenge I'm seeing. Third one is really that uh, there's a shortage on skills. The level of automation you need to break through silos, optimize, make sense of all of the data that is exploding, and also connecting the multitude of clouds, it it needs a lot of automation. We don't have enough skills uh, to do it, which is the third challenge. Fourthly, underpinned all by security, huge huge security issues that are coming with these complexities. And then more and more, I see sustainability as rising to the top of one of the major challenges to address. So it's a lot here, but these five things, right? Multiple environments, explosion of data, huge need for automation, big security issues I'm seeing, and then uh, sustainability is rising to, uh, to the top, those five. So I, w- I want to double click on two of those in, in specific, because I think they're directly related to not, not that all of them aren't, but I think they're the two are directly related to like the sales and marketing relationship and building that revenue engine that, that is producing sustainable results. And so the, the, the kind of multiple cloud environment, I think is the first one. So let's talk about, uh, I know we had some offline conversations about this idea of this hybrid solution. And then the second one, uh, especially data, let's dive into that because I think you know, one of the first things I talk about when you're trying to align these two organizations is that you've got to get a a fundamental sense of truth of how we're interacting with the customer. And that starts with the data that sales and marketing are generating. So um, let's start with the kind of hybrid uh, cloud solution and what organizations need to look at when it comes to that. And then we can jump over to the data. 
I think if uh, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're in a in a in a business role, ask yourself the question: How fast is your cloud consumption growing, and how quick could you or your organization or your piece of government switch to something else? So, do you have control and do you have flexibility to move if you needed to? And and what I'm seeing, uh, Jeff, is that increasingly this is not the case. Companies have been on a journey to cloud, and this journey to cloud has no specific purpose. While many clients are moving and moving workloads to one or multiple clouds, many of them are are challenging with if changes come in the environment. COVID is a great has been a great driver. Uh, a war could be a great driver. Compliance could be a great driver. How do you switch? And this is where. Many companies now are thinking on how do you interconnect into a hybrid environment where you're basically not reliant on a single public cloud or a private cloud for that matter, but how are you able to create a new abstraction layer by which you deploy your workloads that can sit anywhere, run everywhere, independent of the infrastructures that are below, which requires proper design, proper solutioning, and I and, and, and IBM, uh, first and foremost, is a big, big believer that we're entering a need to rethink how we look at cloud. And hybrid is, in my view, destination of all of these environments. At what point in an organization's transformation to cloud or shift to cloud, would it be appropriate for them to start thinking about this hybrid approach? If someone, I, I would assume early in their journey, this is maybe not where they need to be, but... When, what is that that catalyst for for thinking about that in that way? I mean, the, the real honest answer is yesterday. Because as soon as you, uh, the soon as you as you move workloads uh, onto a cloud, you have to make a decision already. Do you want this workload to sit on a specific cloud, or do you want it to be designed in such a yeah. way that it's cloud native and, and mobile? Um, so as soon as you pick up a workload, you have to already make sure that it lands on the flexibility that you will need in the future. And many clients haven't done that yet, right? So um, huge opportunity. So let's shift to the data piece because be one of the key challenges of aligning these two organizations. You can add customer success to that as well. Let's get a little bit of perspective on how do you align this data across the ecosystem? Because I think it's one of the reasons that you, you know, you see the head of sales, head of marketing come in and have two different versions of reality. And this, the GM like yourself or the CEO is like, so which one of you is lying? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, so data first, right? It's the opportunity of our lifetime, but it's also the plague of our lifetime, right? Because if you have this amount of data becoming available, you have to make sure that you make sense of it. And mining the data to make it meaningful, including data that is dark, video, audio, photos, provides a huge challenge, but again, a huge opportunity. So who's right and wrong, sales versus marketing, to me is maybe not the right question. The, the, the right question is, what are the data sets what are the variables that we actually need to agree on that we're going to use to steer a business and make sure that those variables and call them KPIs are clear to everyone. 
And then you could say, okay, which parts are specific for marketing that then connect onto sales and vice versa across the full ecosystem, not just within a specific uh, business unit or uh, company, or you have to look at the wider ecosystem. And are there, in your opinion, any particular types of platforms or solutions that organizations can use to start that process if they have disparate data all over the place? It may not even be centralized to begin with. Like, how do they start that process? IBM, but also others, have a multitude of tooling to ingest and make sense of data, structure it, analyze it, and then basically extract value of it. Depending on the industry, depending on what type of problem you're trying to solve, they're very specific software tool sets could be used, right? And I mean, when you look at sustainability, it's actually a really cool example because sustainability, if you understand the full end-to-end chain of, for example, energy consumption, if you understand the end-to-end and visualize it, you could see where downstream or in the front, you will have the highest impact of solutioning uh, energy consumption. Maybe it's not the data center that is consuming too much of your energy. Maybe it's a single pump and that sits somewhere in a refinery or vice versa, right? So identifying the full end-to-end and seeing all these elements is something that companies need to do. And, and IBM, but also others have very specific industry-specific tooling for it that could greatly help CXOs making the right decision. I love that. I was reading uh, a report recently. It's uh, the 2022 customer acquisition and RevOps team benchmark. So it a joint paper between Rev, Revenue.io, RevOps Squared, Tenbound, and, and Demandbase. And what I thought was interesting, because it justifies the fact that I should continue to do this work, that we really are stagnant when it comes to this idea of aligning sales and marketing. So I know a lot of us, it's like, oh, why are we still talking about this? This is the bug floor. We're done with it. But it still remains a challenge. And so in that report, they show that about 28% of organizations report, and this is self-reported, obviously, they're very aligned, while 43% a report they're somewhat aligned and then the remaining 29% are neutral or negative. And that has been in the years that they've done the report pretty stagnant. So people aren't really, really moving. So to me, just the way I think that means it's a challenge, I'm sorry, it's an opportunity uh, if you're able to break out of the, the category again. So my question is, how can organizations leverage technology in the right way? So that's avoiding those new shiny bright object that we get no one uses to break down silos and really align across the revenue engine? The first thing that, that I like to do and, and also like to work on with the teams is, is what is the problem we're actually trying to solve? So be extremely clear on, on first, what, what are we solutioning for? And then within it, how can technology play a key role in getting there? Because I believe that technology is and will be the differentiator in the next two to three years for a lot of what you just mentioned, right? Uh, but we have to look at technology in a very different way. And you see that uh, also in how the mix of technologies in each industry changed uh, during this crisis, right? So I think if we go back, uh, Jeff, when we spoke, uh, we talked about advanced analytics, process automation, internet of things. And what you're really seeing is that many of these technologies has moved to the back burner. Now it's about mobile, artificial intelligence, cloud. Because of the r- rapid digitization, and I believe if you look at mobile as technology, is a really good example. What you want is not a B2C, not a C business to, uh, to consumer or not a consumer to consumer relationship. You want a human to human relationship. For that, you need to bring the back end of your data and information systems into the hands of your uh, consumer or employee, uh, which is all mobile. 
but to get all of that data synthesized across your full organization yeah. horizontally integrated presented in such a way that it's readable usable on a mobile device intuitively is a really interesting problem to solve so you said something that that was interesting in that let me ask a question because i have my own pov and, and what i've seen but do you find that most clients you're working with or most companies that you engage with just adopting technologies because they feel like they have to versus actually asking the question, what are we trying to fix? Because when you said that, I was like, this is interesting. I don't know that organizations are pausing to say like, what are we actually trying to fix? So I wanted to get your POV on that one to see what you're running into. I think it's a continuous process, figuring out what is the problem we're trying to fix and it needs continued discussion. I think many of the teams start running after a certain solution instead of pausing collectively and spending actual time on, uh, on finding the right problem. Uh, I always say this, finding the solution is much easier than finding the problem. And it's that problem that intrigues me. And I think for, for true digital re reinvention, it's finding the right problem that, that is actually making the difference for many of the, of the companies. So, yeah. And do you feel like that problem will be completely different based on the organization? Or do you feel like there are some fundamental problems that are true across businesses? That's an excellent question. If you invert that question, I believe that the, the root of the inefficiency in today's organizations sits in the silo. So if you're solutioning for a better marketing machine, you can solution that within marketing, but you lose the point. Point is to, to solve the problem holistically for the organization, which is much wider than just marketing. The same is true for sales. The same is true for your product divisions. If you're looking at the problem much more holistically than from the lens of your profession, your role, or the division you belong to, you're starting to get much closer to the problem you should be solving. And then use technology again to solve this overarching problem. More and more, Jeff, I see companies that are successful, they're able to attack problems holistically versus the individual ones. I also was thinking recently about digital for selling. I actually was talking about this topic. And one of the things that came up in the conversation, this is more specifically for sales, leader, but sales leaders, but I think it could apply across you know all revenue leaders, is how do you look at assessing the digital acumen of your people first? And then secondly, how do you shift culture so that people are adopting and actually using the technology that you've chosen? It's a twofer there. <laughs> <laughs> the assessment piece, I think, is first, because I think that a lot of, especially small organizations, that all of this is new, right? I think they are the ones that are the most successful is just throwing a technology at it and hoping it works. Um, but I think to your point of stepping back and trying to understand the problem you're solving and then really assessing where you are, I think that could be challenging. So I want to get your thoughts on how you would approach that or how you would suggest people to approach assessing where they are from a technology standpoint. Within IBM, we have two methods, right? Design thinking uh, methodology, and, and we also use, in, in the consulting side, we use garages. I'm oversimplifying now, but what I love in, in that methodology is that we do what we call process teardowns. So you take a team of IBM experts, you take a team of the client in multiple dimensions, and you basically start breaking down how a client engagement, as an example, could look like or should look like versus where we are today. What is really interesting to see is, is when you go through such emotion with your client or your partner is that for the first time, 
you'll see them actually sharing what a customer is going through, interacting with your company or your ecosystem, which, which gives great insight on where there are misalignments within these organizations back to the root of the inefficiency sits in the silo. The metaphor of what we call a bucket chain. So if you have a, a fire brigade in the old times, a couple hundred years back, would be a fire in a small village. People would be awake, would be waken up because there's a fire if they were sleeping at night. They would form this bucket line, right, of, of buckets between the well or the river, water, and they would pass on these buckets left to right, left to right, and they would throw it on the fire. You don't need to explain people what to do at that time because they understood, right, fire, water, let, let's bring the, the water to the fire. And they would do it very coordinated without anyone else governing it. Right? It was very obvious. You need to be careful moving the bucket left to right. You don't want to do it too fast. Water will spill out. And they would do proper handovers and it would go left to right, left to right. If you bring that simple methodology to today's business, you would do the design thinking or garages using the bucket chain analogy. You'll see that there are many disconnects. Some will come with buckets. The other ones would come with big baskets. Some would come with water. Some would come with sand, right? And I believe that making the end-to-end visible together with a client or a partner across the full ecosystem, I think shows great insight. And then technology can fill in a lot of the blanks that actually have existed for many, many years and have been supplemented by people working harder, not smarter or more efficient or rethinking processes, which I believe is a, is a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I like that metaphor. I you made me think of something I advocate for is really being crystal clear on your buyer's journey. I think this historically has lived within marketing only, which I think is a huge miss. Um, not only has it lived in marketing, but a lot of times marketing isn't really talking to real customers. Um, so what you made me think of is as we build these buyer's journeys, it really should be a team sport of getting input from uh, the sales uh, team, the customer success, because they're all going to see different pieces of actually how customers buy. And I think what's even more critical, uh, and stereotypically, I think it's probably what we get insights from sales, is what's happening behind closed doors that's not officially a part of the process, right? We know there's politicking, we know that people have to have conversations or meeting, and, and we're a lot of times not invited to those meetings. But the more insights we have on those, we'll be able to influence uh, those internal conversations. So if you're not holistically creating that journey together, it's a huge miss. I'll give you an example, right? So if you're in a product business and you're selling hundreds of products, are you actually tying the support tickets that you have at the back end of the process? Are you tying them back into your sales? So if you have many sales, which is great, if you're in sales and marketing has done a good job, how many support tickets is it generating? Is it one-on-one? Is it 5% of the sales done is results in a support ticket. And then how do you, how do you solve backwards, right? To optimize and get a better client experience out. How long are people spending on your website? Do you need to optimize for it? What about the pricing competitiveness, right? Are you dynamic, dynamically doing that? What are your partners telling you about these processes? So as a leader, more and more, you have to be informed across the full holistic end to end to actually govern it. Uh, and to get to a better customer experience as maybe where you are today. And digitization has a huge role to play in all of Yeah, because you really, you really speak to the importance of looking at retention, not just net new customers. 
because especially in the SaaS space, and, and I think this is true across other B2B organizations, we are so focused on new revenue, new business. And obviously that's important, right? Like I'm not minimizing that. But many times, if you just can keep the people that you have, because we know it's it's easier <laughs> to sell to customers and keep customers than it is to get new customers, that many times will help you kind of achieve your overall revenue growth goals. And to your point, I love that, that, you know, are you looking at that end-to-end -end process? Because there can be things that are happening in the back end that are causing people not to renew, you know, or tarnishing your brand. And, you know, folks talk to other folks and you don't want to work with them because of X, Y, Z, but, you know, they're never going to tell you that you're just going to find it extremely challenging to engage with them. So I love that you added that as well. And so then to the cultural piece, because, and again, this is more so for me from the sales lens, because, and I don't want any of my sales leaders to beat me up, but, you know, when I wrote the book, Create Togetherness, there's two actual transformations that I feel are happening, right? There's the functional transformation of marketing sales, just interacting with the modern customer, but modern buyer. The second, obviously, is the alignment between the two. I find that a lot of sales leaders are challenged with getting, especially tenured salespeople, to change their approach and really adopt this kind of digital first mentality. So I wanted to get your idea or your thoughts on how do you get people excited about and many times changing their workflow and doing something different that starts with, you know, using digital or starts with using technology in a different way. So first of all, I love people with a lot of tenure because the experience that that group has is absolutely priceless, especially process re-engineering. They know so much about the small little detail, details that you won't find on, on PowerPoints or on in simple meetings, debriefs and the experience is, is incredibly important puzzle getting to actually a new business model. I also believe that it's difficult for people in general to make a jump from this is the way we used to do things versus this is the way we're going to do things. And therefore, the mix between younger, more tech-savvy people and that of experience, I always have found to be brilliant. And not only age, but also the diversity, right? So male, female, different cultures, different backgrounds. And I'm a little bit lucky and privileged because I've, I've been all over the world and I've seen the differences between what teams bring to the table, how they think of problem solving. And I've always felt that the combination between an open, experienced person and someone that is new, fresh and young is really beautiful, Jeff. So. How do you do it to bring the diversity together is nine out of 10 times the solution. Because if you go after a certain problem with only young people, especially in mission critical, especially in the enterprise space, you're only going to address a certain percentage. If you're only going to go after it with a certain group of tenured people, you're going to miss the flexibility and the speed that you need because of new technologies. It's the combination that makes the difference. So I love this, and it wasn't necessarily on my list of things to talk to you about, but this is a conversation I think that, is, that I'm hearing more and more because now we're shifting into having four generations under one roof. As a leader yourself, I completely agree with you that we, we have to figure this out, and I think the organizations that are able to stitch these two, two or three generations together in a meaningful way will accelerate themselves above the competition. How are you looking at facilitating those connections and making that happen as a leader? This is going to sound cheesy, Jeff, right? But I'm going to go back to spend more time on finding the right problem. If you, across a diverse team, zoom into the problem and everyone aligns and agrees to, all right, 
this is the problem we're going to solve, you're 80% there. Because the intelligence that an experienced team member will bring to the table versus that of a, a younger person is just very cool to see. It's the differences between the two and the, the sum of the two make this work. Yeah. So yeah. you have to center them around what are the problem we're trying to solve? How does the data look like? Take the emotion out of it 10 times out of it and just make it a very factual process re-engineering endeavor to solve a problem in a very different way than maybe traditionally the enterprise have done. I like that. A couple last questions we close out. One I, I always have to ask is, in your opinion, uh, how can marketing be a better partner to sales? And the reason I'm asking this is that I run into this as well sometimes, is that sales leaders are frustrated with their marketing colleagues or don't really know what to ask for in order to to build a better relationship. So in many cases, they they do want to work together, but you know we historically have not spoke the same language, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to get your POV on what would you recommend to marketing leaders to really kind of say like, look, we're going to do this differently. And that could be through technology. It could be through culture. It could be through just, you know, communicating better. But want to get your thoughts. I love it when a marketing leader comes to me and saying, Hans, what do you want me to do as a function? And then for me to answer and then to get a little bit of a dialogue up and then to say, before I dive deeper, let me show you what I've been doing today. And then let's discuss what the gap is between what I've been doing today and what you just asked me to do. This dialogue between business leaders and marketeers, I don't think is happening enough. So everyone takes the plans for a quarter or for a year. How do you make sure you're still in sync with the business and the business is in sync with marketing, that the roads don't, don't deviate? It's really important because often I see the, the two roads diverge, right? Because business priorities change, external environment is changing. If plans are locked in early in the year and you're not flexible enough to adjust, for sure at the end of the year, you'll end up at different places. So that's an interesting question to, for a functional leader to ask another one. I think there is a bit of humbleness as well as vulnerability in that question to focus on, which is not good or bad. I just think that's maybe while we're not seeing it being asked as much, it's a great question that shows your ability to be objective about your performance and not take things personally. The gap being not that you're not doing your job and you're not meeting your goals, but the question elicits is, what do you need? What I'm, where am I performing what I'm doing and where, where is the gap? Like, why are we not working together or what opportunities exist for us to work together in a different place? So I actually quite like the question. I might steal it from you. I'll give you credit, of course. But you're really looking for that white space between, you know, your expectations of me and what I'm actually delivering in your mind. And also vice versa, right? It could be that in this case, the marketing function tells me I'm doing these things. And I go like, really? That's awesome, right? I just didn't know. Therefore, I need to adjust on the business side with the business teams to make sure the net of this is, I don't think, both on the KPIs, on the positioning, on the targets, but also in the dialogue, we spend enough time together. So to end on a positive note, because there is a lot of work to be done, and I never, I never want to end on a, a doom and gloom. I want to, I want to have an aspirational conversation. Uh, what are some of the top opportunities uh, that revenue leaders and CEOs have to leverage technology to take the organization to the next level in the future? I think the business models that are evolving now 
I think that technology actually will be the driver for a lot of the reinvention that now needs to happen. And by understanding it, seeing it, using the right AI, the right hybrid cloud methodologies, I see a lot of our businesses accelerating and, and excelling. I think the future is, is going to be awesome technological innovation that's coming. There's a whole new paradigm in computing coming with quantum focus, the continuous focus on customer centricity, the co-creation, if you're open for it with this ecosystem that's out there is fantastic. And then on a positive note, right? I think it's, it's up to all of us to really work the sustainability angle as that is going to be probably the number one problem we need to solve as society. Awesome. Well, well, Hans, I always learn a ton when I talk to you. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground that is very actionable for those that are listening, particularly the, the couple of things that stand out to me is this idea of really focusing on the business challenge first and answer and answering what it is before you throw technology at it. Right. I think the other one is that I had not heard before, but I, I definitely am going to adopt is asking the question, where's the gap between where I am and what your expectations are is a really great place to start. Uh, and then the other one, the the idea around this kind of hybrid cloud, where you know where you need to be able to be agile, and where if you you know if you were ever to need to to shift environments and being ready for that, uh, no matter the size of the organization. So I think those are all relevant. I think they're all timely as we kind of progress in this acceleration of of digital transformation. So with that said, where can folks find you? They want to learn more about you and what you're doing at IBM. First off, it's not about me. Go, go and read about IBM and what we're doing as a company, uh, because I believe we are at the forefront of a lot of what we discussed uh, today. I'll be on IBM websites, LinkedIn. You can find me, reach out to me, uh, Jeff, as, as always. Just look at what we as a company, but also some of our colleagues are doing and what technology is actually achieving. And I, again, I mentioned quantum briefly. It's a whole new paradigm coming that I think uh, is very, very exciting, uh, Jeff, but that's for a different podcast. Nice. I love it. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on and talk about more. We'll maybe do a deep dive into quantum and AI and all that sort of stuff, because that is a very whole different topic. So, well, Hans, thank you so much for your time again. We appreciate it and hope you have a great day. Thanks, Jeff. Same to you. Thanks for listening to the Rev Engine Podcast. I hope today's episode provided you with some actionable insights that will help you begin the process of transforming your organization to a high-performing revenue engine. If you found today's episode valuable, we ask that you support the show's growth in three ways. First, share the episode with your friends and colleagues. Second, follow me on social media at Meet Jeff Davis on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And finally, give us feedback on who you'd like to see on the show next. That's all for this episode. We look forward to having you join us next time where we continue the conversation on how to build a high-performing revenue engine.